Hi there, I'm Kate Monroe, and I'd like to welcome you to a journey of connection, understanding, and empowerment. Join me on Shoulder to Shoulder, a podcast brought to you by With You, an organization based upon the principles of co-production, understanding, and long-lasting relationships. This podcast is dedicated to the incredible power of peer support. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of incredible humans who face the challenges of life head-on, finding strength and solace in the support of their peers. Together, we'll discover the bonds that unite us, the triumphs over adversity, and the unwavering spirit of those who stand shoulder to shoulder, helping each other through life's toughest moments. So, grab a seat, lend an ear, and let's embark on this inspiring journey of resilience and hope together. Welcome to Shoulder to Shoulder. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much for coming to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. And it's so lovely to see you again. Would you like to start Mm. by introducing yourself? Hi, Kate. So I'm Jackie Lavelle. Um, It's interesting, isn't it, when you think about how you would introduce yourself. So I'm a mad woman. I'm a lesbian. Uh, I'm a mum. I'm a researcher, survivor researcher. And I'm a peer supporter. Wow. That's a lot of things. But that list could go on forever. Carry on then. I'm somewhere on the spectrum, but I don't know where. I've also, for my, for my sins, I managed to get a doctorate in critical community psychology. Wow. So I'm, yeah, when I was 56. So that was a bit of an achievement. Um, I'm a poet. I like writing poetry. I think it's really cathartic. And it releases some of the anger that I carry and some of the sadness. Um, I don't often have happy poems. They're mostly when I get a bit fed up. (laughs) I think Adele's like that, though, isn't it? She says that she writes best when she's going through a hard time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So much, Jackie. So much. So how would you define peer support, Jackie? And what does it mean to you specifically? So I would keep it really simple. I would say it's just about giving and receiving support. Um, And sometimes it can be a really balanced situation where you're giving and receiving it at the same time. And sometimes it can be you giving the other person receiving and sometimes they can give and you can receive. So I, I just think it's about giving and receiving a bit of common humanity and some support. And what does it mean for you personally? Well, I suppose for me, I always identify it with having, when I had my kids. So like there's a group of women that I'm close to, you know, they had kids around about the same age as mine and we would like get together. And if the proverbial shit hit the fan, then we would phone each other up and we'd have long conversations over cups of tea. And, you know, they would bring their kids to my house and I would take my kids to their houses and... You know, so we, we sort of offered a bit of support to each other over a number of years. You know, different times in your life, you have different experiences of mental distress. Mm, of course. So it's like when my partner passed and I um, joined the Survivor Researcher Network. And, you know, it's like then I formed a, a relationship with the people there and you know, and, and when I set up the Arise Project, the um, the project to get people 
who were using mental health and learning disability services into research, then, you know, we, we offered peer support to each other as well. And so it's something that I suppose I've drawn on all of my life. And it evolves, doesn't it? It sounds like it evolves. Well, it, it evolves. And also, I think the older I get, less is more. So especially in terms of like who I would trust to support me. Um, I think when I was younger, I was a bit less discerning. When now I think I have, there's probably two women No, three women who I would have conversations, deep conversations with, and who I would both support and get support from. How old were you when you first experienced peer support? See, that's a really interesting question because, see, my first experience of having mental distress was from a very, very early age, but I blanked it out. So I didn't re, I wasn't really aware of my mental distress until I went into therapy. And it, it's like, I can remember going into therapy and thinking, oh, well, I'll just do a few months and, and then I'll be fine. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a few years down the line, I realised that maybe that wasn't going to be the case. And um, A few years down the line, you realised that actually you needed a few more years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and I've always been aware that I've been a bit different. So I've sort of always felt like I was a bit of an odd one out in my own family of origin. So even then, even before I knew that I was going through a whole lot of distress, I was aware that there was something about me that was different. So I suppose I've benefited from it for most of my life. I was having a conversation with somebody else about this and whether or not um, peer support would have been more beneficial when they were younger and Mm. I think we were came to the sort of conclusion that perhaps you need to process what happened uh, before Mm. peer support in its own right would become more helpful. See I think that's the difference between formalised and non-formalised support. So I had a lot of informal support and I gave a lot of informal support but I think I got better at giving it when I had some awareness of my own. Mm. So I think therapy helped me to develop my awareness. And then I went and did some training for a year, but I wasn't realised that I wasn't actually meant to do therapy with anybody in an isolated room. What I was meant to do was critical community psychology with groups. Interesting. So, but I think it really does help to have your own developed awareness when you're actually offering peer support, because I think what you give is a is a is a lot more attuned to the person that you're with. Sure, sure. So, Jackie, how has peer support impacted your personal life journey? Can you share any specific examples of this? Hmm. So, there's there's lots of ways that it has. Um, you know, I was bringing up a hard of kids on my own and. The support that I received from my friend Denise meant a lot in the years that I was bringing up my kids and other friends as well. And Abby as well, who's like me, Bessie. Denise and Abby really, I'm really close to, and my friend Larissa. But the most recent that I can think of is when my partner Ros was dying. So when Ros passed away, Abby and Larissa came to 
support me through the getting the funeral and you know the wake and all of that and they like helped with cooking and they gave like really practical support but also gave some sisterly support and it wasn't long after that that I saw this advert to join the Survivor Research Network as a working group member Mm -hmm. and I applied for that and then following a process I found out that I'd been accepted and then following on from that I was asked if I would like to apply and do some peer support work training and deliver some training online. And so in a way, it sort of shaped work that I've done as well as what I've done in my personal life. Wow. Just as an aside to this, do you find this process cathartic in any way, if that's the right word? Do you find it, does it help you? Occasionally, I'll resonate with something that somebody has said, and I much prefer that to the T word. So sometimes I'll negatively resonate and sometimes I'll positively resonate with what the person says and learn something a little bit about myself in the process. Um, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. and it, But you see, then, you know, I'm a bit long in the tooth. I, I sort of know myself quite well mm-hmm. now. Um, so it's not that often that I have aha moments, but mm-hmm. I still do. Yeah. So you're never you know, too old to have aha moments, are you? Ex- ex- exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you know, a lot of the people that we're engaging with in the peer support process as peer support worker trainers are on the journey. So in a way, we're doing a bit of mentorship mm-hmm. as well as peer support. Mm. And being a trainer as well, I find that you know that is is a journey for for me as well. That helps me with my journey doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. I think anything that adds to the degree of critical reflection that we have, and by critical, I don't mean like critical parent type of reflection. I mean, just that critical edge of being able to think about something, feel about something, sense something, take it out, look at it, have a discussion, file it away somewhere. I don't mean that that negative stuff that we often do or get done to us, Mm. you know, in school, in childhood. Mm. But I mean, just being able to actually, to be able to look at something with someone that you trust who can really reflect back to you their experience of what it is you're saying so that you can, in a way, look at it again and, and, and think about it again and feel it again and sense it again and... You know, and spirituality to me is is a is a big part of that process as well. Mm. But often, it's spirituality doesn't get mentioned. No, it doesn't. But spirituality, I think, part of recovery, mm. I think, is finding your spirit again. Because from a personal point of view, when I'm not in recovery, I, I feel like I lose my spirit. There's, there's a lot of times I feel like I've lost my spirit. And, and I can really understand what you're saying there. However, for me, it's not been so much about recovery because I'm not sure there was anything ever there for me to recover to. Right. So my first experience of um, being abused was when I was two years of age. So for me, it was discovery. It was like discovering who I was. Mm. Because I wasn't really ever very sure. Mm. So I sometimes I get a bit stuck with that whole recovery process because it's like, what am I recovering? I can't recover my childhood. Mm. 
you know, it's gone. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, that was taken away from me, uh, not just when I was two, but again when I was 12. So I can never recover the time that I lost or what I might have had in that period. But I can discover who and how I am now. So I suppose my spirituality is more about that discovery than about recovery. This is like a peer support process because you've just totally reframed something for me that's made me completely rethink things. Yeah, I never thought of it like that, but that's so powerful because that's you've lost that part of you. So mm. you are rediscovering your whole identity again, I think. Well, I mean, I always had an identity, you know me, Kate. I've got a, you know. <laughs> I've struggled with that, though. I've struggled with identity. Yeah, I've never lacked identity, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it is genuinely just, in a way, it's like I didn't really trust myself. So the older I got, the more I've got to know myself, the more I've trusted mm. myself in the process. Um, and Erickson talks about psychosocial stages and trust versus mistrust is one of our very first psychosocial stages. And we revisit that when we when we revisit some of our own, you know, some of our own experiences. Mm. So I've always struggled with that trust versus mistrust. And also the other one I struggle with is um, autonomy versus shame. So I can my shame can immobilize me. Um, but I'm better at crawling out of that pit now than I was in the right. past. Okay. So taking all those experiences that you've had of receiving support and mm. going and, and, and researching it and becoming involved in the Survivor Research Network, how did you actually become involved in peer support as somebody who gave it? Yeah, See, even in my early career, I mean, my first job, I was a barmaid. Well, to me, barmaids give peer support. You know, the amount of people that turn up that have a story to tell, and then you respond to that story. And then from there, I went into general nursing. So I was a, a registered general nurse. Well, I mean, nursing's all about mm-hmm. peer support mm-hmm. and offering support to people in crisis. So, I mean, I, I don't... I'm not sure there's ever been a time in my life when I haven't practiced peer support. Um, it's just that somebody's now attached a label to it. Um, so for me, you know, I've always been that way. I was doing care coordination with people with a learning disability out in the community. So, you know, I was using my skills doing that. And then I ran a community organisation for um, about six and seven years that came out of the Arise project, out of the re- the accessible research involvement for service evaluation projects that we set up when I was a research and development manager in a mental health and learning disabilities NHS trust. Um, And then from that, I went and did like research assistant. Um, Then I got a, then I got a research fellow post after I got my PhD working with on a disabled project. And the last two projects I've been working on have been with people with learning disabilities again doing co-production and co-research. So I'm not sure that I've ever had a job where I haven't mm-hmm. offered a degree of peer support. Mm. But I, I think the, the beauty of it for me is that the way that I do it from that bottom-up approach, I get to do it in a very 
equal, you know, there's a degree of equality that goes on between me and the person that the people that I'm working with. So I really, that's the bit I really enjoy about my work is that I end up being mates with the the people that I'm actually working with. And I don't, I think that them and us thing is a bit of a false divide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't see that there is any them and us because I've met very, very, very few people that haven't at some point in their life experienced a degree of distress. So I I think it's a bit of a false divide and I, I don't really go along with it. And I like to get rid of the power differentials as quickly as I can in mm. any relationship mm. because I don't respond well to them. No. If somebody is very parental and overly over-controlling with me, my rebellious child kicks in and I just want to, you know... I, I don't I don't want to be productive anymore. I get that. You know, I, I can um, totally relate to that. Um, somebody said a few weeks ago um, to me that we were talking about peer support and they said peer support comes from a place of struggle. Yeah. So if we're all coming from that place, whether we're the peer or the person being supported, yeah. there is no power differential. There's kind of a level, level playing field. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's, I guess, what you're what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, you know, the way that people would view it is when I'm working with somebody with a learning disability, people out there in society would think that I was the person that was in control and the person with a learning disability might be less so. Mm -hmm. But my reality is (laughs) that just isn't the case, you know. Um, I learn as much from the people that I am with as as I hope they might learn from me. So you know, there's all to me. There's always something to learn. Of course, um, if we listen hard enough, and I think listening is. It, I mean, it, to me, it's, it's the most important skill. You know, to really hear somebody takes a lot of energy and um, inclination. Mm. So right. And it's so something that I think in day to day life, especially with Mm. so much screen time and devices, I have to ask my partner to be present. And we've Mm. agreed that in the new year, we're going to both be more present because Mm. it's ridiculous at the moment. Yeah. I spend a lot of time online at the moment. Um, but, you know, I think that's the, that I think that's the world we're living in now, really. I mean, we couldn't have, you know, the Peer Supported Safe Spaces Project in Zimbabwe, if it wasn't for WhatsApp, how would we communicate with the people there? We wouldn't have been able to make us anywhere near as much progress as we have. And now we've got like a class of 23 WhatsApp group where people post things and ask questions and hold discussions. And so it's like it. It is a sort of, I suppose it's a double-edged sure. sword. It has its drawbacks, but it also has its uses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So one of the things that came to mind about when you were discussing the fact that you, you don't want there to be a power differential between yourself and the people you're supporting was mm-hmm. that you have been working in Zimbabwe and training mm-hmm. peer supporters over there. Yeah. How... Does that work? So the reason the Peer Supported Safe Spaces in Zimbabwe project began was because Abby, who who we initially developed that project together, 
So a member of Abby's family was experiencing stigma and discrimination in relation to mental distress. And when my partner died, Abby had come to me. And then when, sadly, when Abby's partner, Vern, passed away, I'd gone to Zimbabwe to be with her. And it was while we were there that we became aware of what Abby's sister was experiencing. God rest us all, because she's, she's passed now. And it was from our own experiences of distress that we both of us wanted to make sure that, that people in the community weren't suffering as a result of their distress, just simply because of stigma and discrimination of, of being distressed. So I suppose it, because it was something that came from the community right. and from people within that community, the, the power differentials that might exist is, you know, when I'm in the village, which is Sigola, which is the village where we are, we stay and where we deliver the training, I'm often the only white person in that, that village. So, you know, I can't do anything to change the colour of my skin. But what I can do is to let go of the privilege that people often see that I have in as many different ways as I can. So um, I don't see myself, I'll set myself up as any sort of an expert because I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't come from that place really, you know. I, I don't want to be, I, I, you know, I never want to sit in that professional place. Um, and that's not to say that I don't work in professional ways, but I don't want to be seen as somehow above anyone. When I was born, we lived in a two-up, two-down street house with an outside loo and no bathroom, which is quite similar in some ways to people's experiences within the villages in Zimbabwe. So, you know, I do everything that the people within Zimbabwe would do. So I'll, I'll empty buckets, I'll gather water, I'll wash pots, I'll wash clothes, I'll clean house. You know, there's nothing that we don't do. Yeah, I would never ask anybody to do anything that I would not sure. do myself. Sure. I learned such a lot, such a lot, such a phenomenal amount, really, from the people that we're with in Zimbabwe. And in some ways, a lot of ways, they keep me right. Oh. Can you share a little bit about what the project is exactly and, and how is it impacting the community out there? Because that is so important. So we, we deliver days one to four of the peer support worker training at with you. And the first time that we did it, I mean, it really was just a sort of learning as we went type of, of approach in yeah. that we quickly learned that a whole lot of the things that we had in the training culturally didn't fit with the people in Zimbabwe because they just do not have the structures or the systems in place that we have in in the UK. So we we learned very quickly that whatever it was we were doing, we're going to have to adapt it to the people there. And thankfully, we had some good people that would actually work with us to do that from within, mostly from within the um, Sigola Primary School. And we had less time to do it in because other people, people had other commitments, you know, like they had jobs and they had work and they had families. Mm -hmm. So taking an entire day out of their working day wasn't going to happen. And we also, we knew that if we asked people to stay beyond the end of their working day into the evening, we knew that we'd have to feed people. 
because it's not okay to ask people to stay and not give them some food sure. at the end of it. So, you know, things like the, the women would have to, you know, pay for firewood and then they would cook on an open fire outside and then we would all share a meal together after we finished. And the classrooms that we used were within the primary school. So there was we'd begun by asking people what they needed. We'd negotiated with the primary school, with the people in the, the local clinic. We also had to ask permission from the chief's wives, Mama Scola, and from the, the other people in that area mm-hmm. so that we weren't doing anything that people weren't aware of and that they hadn't agreed to. Um, this time, there were four of us that went. There was myself and Abby and Sonia and um, my friend Malika had come, but that was for a, a, se- a separate reason because okay. there was a family wedding going on as well. So Sonia and I both deliver peer support worker training at, with you. And Abby has an awareness of this because obviously we delivered it together last time. Sure. Um, but this time there was an agreement that we would actually alter the materials that we were using, the piss pot worker training that we were using, the PowerPoints and things, and that we would make it fit a little more to the culture that we were actually within. Did that involve changing some of the language that's used? Because from speaking to people from different parts of the world about this, I've discovered Mm. that they don't necessarily have the vocabulary. Well, that was one of the things. And Sonia was brilliant in that um, Sonia basically started from a stress model and then went on to anxiety and depression. And so we we literally, in a way, normalised mental distress. So it wasn't so much about being mentally ill, which is goes with the medical model, mm-hmm. but it was more about actually it's very normal for all of us at some point in our life to experience some anxiety and potentially to experience some depression. So because they're the two largest causes of mental distress, we went with both of them. And and also talking about the five ways to well-being as a counteract to that, you know, it's like we can have all of this distress, but at the same time, there are these ways that we can mm-hmm. take better care of each other. But I think, the, you know, the bit that I think often we miss is the systemic ways, that, the things that cause us distress, like poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know, I think we've seen more of it in the UK under austerity and also because of the COVID situation. Mm-hmm. To mention the C word, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you're working in areas where people have actually experienced high levels of poverty, I think we need to take account of the amount of distress that causes. And we know that worldwide economic and poverty issues are the single biggest factor in whether somebody will experience distress or not. So I think it would be wrong of us to deliver peace part worker training without also acknowledging that actually there are some economic issues that, that, you know, we need to work with people on. Can I just ask you, how many, how often do you go to Zimbabwe? So we, we went, the first time I went was obviously when our, Abby's partner, Bernard, passed. And then it was the second time we went for his memorial. We were going to be there for a month. And I was like, oh, Abby, I can't go to Zimbabwe for a month and not do something. So that was when we did the first class, which was in 2022. And then we went again last year. We only went for two weeks last year. Um, I think Abby and I are planning on going back. Then this is just me and Abs in May. 
Abby and I have known each other for like 15 years. So I've known Abby's family for a long time and they have known me for a long time. So I feel like at some level, Abby is part of my family in that my young people, who are all adults, by the way, grew up around Mama Abby and they call her Mama Abby and they love and adore her. And she is a part of our family in the same way that I am a part of her family. Mm. So we both really miss being there and we miss seeing people and we miss being with people. So I have a feeling that we'll end up there in That's amazing. So how has this journey to Zimbabwe and the sharing your skills um, with the training, how has it impacted you personally? Oh, that's a really good question. I suppose if there's any way in which it has impacted me personally, it's made me more aware of the level of privilege that I have as a white Western woman. And it, and it's also been very humbling. There was a point at which some people in the community had started to talk about me and Abby as if we were sponsors or donors. And the chief's wife, who I greatly, greatly respect, Mama Scola, had stood up in a meeting and said to people, um, Jackie and Abby are not donors or sponsors. They are daughters of this community. Mm. And I was really moved that Mm -hmm. she would say that, given the way that Zimbabwe has been impacted in, in lots of negative ways by the colonisation, that to me was even more of a a gift for her to say that. So in lots of ways, I think it's actually, I find it very humbling. It's incredible. And where do you foresee this project going? Is it something that you plan to continue moving forward? The last time we were there, (laughs) we we realised that the computers that we had that with you had given us a little bit of money to to get some um, computers for the school. And, and I'd, when my partner died, I'd put a little bit in to the pot. So, you know, we have these computers that within the school. But because the temperatures are so high that they can't use the computers because they haven't got a classroom that is set up to cope with the degree of temperatures and also allow the computers to work. So, so me and Abby have agreed to build a classroom. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so some of the time today, Abby and I have been spending talking to Mrs. Chili, who's the um, headmistress of Sigola Primary School. And we're currently getting prices for bricks. So we're um, planning on buying all of the supplies that we need in order to do the building and then to, to begin the building. I mean, you know, this is, to me, this isn't a project. It's a way of life. Oh. You know, you, you can't call yourself a socialist and, and not share your resources. My, my work as a peer supporter and a researcher and all the rest of it, to me, it's not, it's not a job. It's just a way of being in the world where you try and give a little back if you can. That's incredible, Jackie. You are incredible, you know. <laughs> you are. I can see, and I don't think I am really, darling. I know, and that's that's like me. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. I've got two more questions for you, Jackie. What's your greatest achievement? I mean, I don't have a greatest. I I don't have a greatest achievement. I have some achievements, but I don't know if any of them are my greatest. I mean, what could be, what is more of an achievement than, than, 
you know, being a mum, you know, how could you top that one? I have like kids, I have biological kids and then that I've given birth to, but I think I count myself as a mum to the kids that, you know, came along because God had other ideas. I thought I was going to stop at five and, and then I ended up, I mean, if I added up all of the kids that I've had a hand in, there's a fair number now. Um, so we what could top that really. Being the first person in my family to go to uni was a pretty good one. Being the first person in my family to get a PhD was, was pretty good. That's nice. And my last question today, who is your biggest inspiration? So Sinead O'Connor, you know, Sinead O'Connor got me through so much. Her, her music, her attitude, her lyrics, her soulful voice. You know, she was massively inspirational to me. Um, and I love her politics. And I'm very, very sad that she's no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Um, Mayor Angelou, another woman that's sadly no longer with us. Wow. I mean, Benjamin Zephaniah. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when I heard that he passed the other day, I was mm. like, oh, Benjamin, like, there's so many amazing Beautiful people. Beautiful man. Like, where would you start, really? Mm-hmm. Jackie, thank you so much for today. It's been an absolutely wonderful conversation and I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Shoulder to Shoulder by With You. More information about our organisation and access to additional resources, please visit our website at www.with-u.co.uk. Remember, you're never alone when you've got a shoulder to lean on. Stay connected.